Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It is Thursday, March 11th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Bobby Wood Jr. has been a frequent topic of conversation among the writers at the Star, and we figured we had a sense of his progress and a rough idea of when he might get his first taste of the majors. And then last week happened. Witt hit a titanic home run, he made a sterling defensive play, and he just continues to impress. So we continue to talk about him with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Vahe Gregorian. The show started as a sports beat live on Thursday morning. We cover several other topics as well, including the play of Hanser Alberto and what rule change is making Whit Merrifield and Jorge Soler happy these days. So let's get going. Hey, good morning and welcome to Sportsbeat Live. Coming at you from sunny Kansas City. This is the, uh, uh, the weekly Kansas City Star show where we talk about the Royals with the reporters who know them best. And we talk about the Royals with you as well. So send us your questions and comments about the Royals. We will get to as many of them as we can. Let's say hello to uh, our, our uh, esteemed esteemed friends. Lynn Worthy, beat writer, covers the Royals for the Star. And columnist Vahe Gregorian in the house. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, so, Blair. Either you had a little hiccup in the delivery or it was it was really hard to say esteemed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can get better. Uh, I'll, I'll practice. Uh, look, it is um, uh, it's, it's never not a busy time for sports in, in, in Kansas City. We always have plenty to talk about. And we got a lot of Royals we're, we're going to get to. But I'd be remiss if I didn't start the, the show today by – at least uh, bringing up for our live audience the news that, that occurred within the hour involving the Kansas City Chiefs uh, releasing tackles Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. Bit of a bombshell for, um, for the Chiefs. So um, Vahe, of course, uh, covers Chiefs on a regular basis. Lynn Worthy came to the Kansas City Star to cover the Chiefs back in, in 2018 and, and covered the uh, that uh, AFC title game Chiefs team. So bit of a, a bit of big news that the Chiefs are going to save uh, $18 million in cap space, still have a little more uh, work to do to get to the number they need. But I can assure you we will spend uh, plenty of time talking about uh, Chiefs free agency, what they're going to do at tackle on Sportsbeat KC podcast, perhaps even as early as tomorrow. But we are here to talk about the Royals and big news that uh, that they make at, at spring training. And it's kind of moments like this is where I want to get started. Next offering is swung on, hit high in the air, deep to left. That's a way back, and that's a Bobby Witt home run. years of age but every single time you watch him play he plays with heart and hustle intelligence and great skill as well and he absolutely crushed that ball to left center field that was Steve Fiziak on the call uh, 
for for the Royals. And Vahe, was were you at that game? I was at that game. And <laughs> what was funny, Blair was and Lynn also was that uh Lynn has seen this up close and personal too, but the day before, two days before, I had looked down to type something and I heard the crack of the bat, one of those balls you just know was out, and it was it was Bobby Witt going to a little bit to right center. This ball <laughs> what was fascinating to me on multiple levels was that he was past second base by the ball time that ball landed. <laughs> um, so testament both to how far it went and how, how he comes out of the box and a little bit of a microcosm of what makes him so exciting. But it, Lynn, I know you had some uh, one-on-one time a- across a concourse in masks uh, with, with Bobby Witt Jr. not long ago when you have a real sense of him, don't you? Yeah, I mean, um, going back to when when he was drafted and got to meet him right after that, and then have you know talked to him a couple times since then. And uh, obviously, he was with the team um, last year. He wasn't in big league camp, but he was around last year, I think, early. And then he was at the summer camp, and obviously back in big league camp this year for officially in big league camp. Um, and there's no doubt that he's a talented kid, um, and he's also just a kid who he loves the game. I mean, like I, he's. I think he's maybe one of the few high school kids because the first time I met him, he was still in high school. They were still trying to win a state championship who I remember going on about how baseball was meant to be nine innings and like how he just like seven wasn't enough for him. And I mean, it was just really pure and like innocent, just like his talking about his love for baseball. And then I remember his father who obviously, you know, spent, uh, I want to say it was 16 years in the majors, Bobby Wood senior. And, um, and he was, you know, and he never pushed baseball on him, but he was talking about how as a kid, he would just want to keep spending more time outside, taking more grounders and having him just keep, you know, throwing. And he's, and I remember a senior saying that he's like, that was when he sort of got the idea that this kid was a little bit different because he just wanted to keep going and keep going and keep going. And he just, he would spend all night out there if he let him. Um, so yeah, he's, and you still see that as a kid who's 20, you see a lot of that in him still. Um, but he can play some ball. He can play some ball. I just, um, I know folks want to make a jump that I'm not sure that I'm ready to make yet, but, um, that's, you know, that's the, 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 the type of talk show fodder that we, that we are here for. So let's go. (laughs) Well, you're absolutely right. Let's, um, so Lynn, you and I talked about Bobby Wood a couple of weeks ago after you had some one-on-one time with him in surprise, and that was before uh, a home run, the, the, the home run that we just saw that traveled nearly 500 feet and the, the other highlight reel play that he's turned in playing second base, the dive into the hole and, um, and, and just flashing the, the glove on, on that play. So he's, he's, he's delivered a couple of just wow moments uh, in the time that you and I talked about the, 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 the dilemma that the Royals might have in, in, um, and bringing him up, let's. But let's review that quickly. What are the? What are, why would the Royals not just go ahead and give him a big league uniform and and play him on opening day? Well, to me, the first thing is is you know if, if you're bringing him up to the big leagues, you bring him up because he's going to play and play every day. You don't bring him up just to be on the team because that's not you know. I mean, like if you were gonna if he's not going to play, then you send him to the minors where you can play every day and get at bats and get time. So. The, the condition is you're going to bring him up and he's going to play. And the Royals have always said with their young guys, especially the top guys like that, your idea is he comes up 
he plays and he stays. So the question is, is, is he ready to do that yet? And I guess for me, the idea is like, okay, well, have we seen enough to make that judgment? Like, I mean, whoever all, you know, whether it's fans or Twitter or whoever else, you know, talk shows that are saying, okay, well, we've seen him make these plays. You've seen these highlights. Like, okay, well, but I mean, I could go back to even last spring training and point to numbers for, you know, a guy, like, like if I tell you last year, a former number one draft pick who was hitting 380 had, you know, five or six home runs and 15 spring training games and looked like he was unstoppable at the plate. Are you telling me that Bubba Starling was supposed to be an all-star last year? I mean, because that was spring training and that was what he did. And that was, you know, and he we've talked about his talent. That's not anything against Bubba. But I'm just saying that for some reason, we're looking at spring training way different for him, maybe because of, you know, the background and the, the prospect status and everything else. than when we see other guys have great spring trainings and we don't automatically say they need to be everyday stars. Can I jump in with one point on this? It's kind of interesting. Lynn's 100% right about that. thing that strikes me a little different is the the way his teammates talk about about him. Unbidden, out of the blue. You know, uh, Hunter Dozier the other day is talking about the lineup, and he just adds in Bobby Witt and talks about what a freak he is. Brady Singer refers to the kid, (laughs) the kid having uh, 15 tools in the toolkit. There's just something different about, I think, the persona, the presence, um, the maturity with him that I I think resonates a little differently than he's having a good spring. Now, I don't know. I mean, we, we, we could see him get brought up and maybe that gets exposed, but I... I don't think so. And I think that the dilemma for the Royals is, you know, everything from service time, but also to the question of uh, what's the difference between moving somebody along who's ready versus being hasty. And, and there is a difference um, and it's a little hard to divine. Well, and so what you point out, I think, and that's where I have the hesitation is just that clearly, whether it's teammates, whether it's, evaluators on the player development side or, you know, coaches on the player development side, people in the front office, they see something different. They all see something different. And so that's where the, you know, that's the, that, that pause that I have where I say, you know, like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to make that jump, but there is a case to be made that you could make that jump. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the other side of that. Now, the other part that I would say is like, what do you lose by not making that jump yet? Like if you say, okay, well, we bring him up when we know for sure, like we've seen enough and make, maybe we brought him up a month. I mean, and it seems weird to say this, but okay, we brought him up a month too late. What's too late. I mean, he's, if if you brought him up in, you know, like say he was tearing the cover off the ball and he was just an unstoppable force and you brought him up in July. Does that mean that you guys, you know, or whoever made the decision, you know, just, screwed up because he should have been up in April and then that wasted what, I mean, I, I don't know what you lose because he played every day and he proved it. And because he got that experience and maybe in the minors, he had a bad week and he had to come back from that. And, you know, he did come back from that and maybe he figured out how to do that there as opposed to trying to do it in the major leagues when all of us are, you know, watching him and everybody's expecting him to be, you know, the next, you know, Moustakis, Hosmer, whoever you want to say. Um, so I guess that's the other thing is like the, he might be ready for that jump, but I don't know if there's an urgency to do that 
right now and to say he's going to come up, play, and stay. The other difference is uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't tweet about anybody else, but he did tweet about Bobby Witt Jr. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Jason Paddock you asks – A funny thing – Go ahead, go ahead, Vahe, and go we'll ahead. get to Jason's questions. No, no, just, just, um, just, I mean, my only season doesn't start till May, right? May or so. So I think it's kind of interesting. I, you can, you can, you can tell that there's like, what do we do with him in April? No matter what, right? Whether he's ready or not. Like, hmm. Anyway, sorry, sorry, Blair. No. So Jason asks, uh, would would Bobby Wood Jr. be a worse roster holder than Nicky Lopez? Lopez has hit 200 the past two years. We 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 know about the you know the Lopez bat, and uh, that's why he's you know he's at the bottom of the order. You certainly do it, it, at least. There's the promise of lengthening the batting order with the with Bobby Wood at second base hitting wherever he hits in the lineup, but you know getting Lopez out of the lineup. Um, do you see that, Lynn? Well, in theory, yeah, but at the same time, the 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 problem. Well, I guess again. So, like, if you're saying, okay, we're gonna call, you know, you're gonna make that decision out of camp that he's your starting everyday second baseman. Um, I think there's, you know, some other things you gotta think about, and maybe, and I know for fans, it's real easy. Just you know, it's like fantasy baseball. It's like it's not real people you're dealing with, so it doesn't matter what happens with Nicky Lopez. But I think, especially after an off season, and even like as uh, recently as you know the early February where the talk was how Nikki's going to fit into this lineup and how some of the additions that they made are going to make it easier for Nikki to sort of become the player that he should be another homegrown kid who you've uh, you know put your faith in who you made a big deal out of bringing him up when you brought him up in 2019 who still has just about a full le- big league season's worth of games now because he came up in the middle of 19 and then had a shortened season to you know just sort of basically toss him out, which is sort of, the, I mean, in a, the organization wouldn't look at it that way, but I mean, the way fans who want to make this move are sort of like looking at it, just toss him out and plug, uh, you know, Bobby Witt in. I think there's, you know, potential little ramifications, whether that's a message that you send to the clubhouse, whether that's just like, you know, going back on sort of the way things have sort of been framed for Nikki at this point. Um, and then also you're, you're counting on that what you've, you know, the highlights and what you've seen, in spring training and exhibition games is the exact production that you're going to get from Bobby Witt as soon as he comes up, which, I mean, that's not anything that you can really pencil in for a guy when he just comes to the big leagues, especially a guy who the last organized minor league games he's played at were in the Arizona league, the rookie league. So I don't know that you make that decision out of camp to just, you're going to be a starting second day, uh, starting every day, second baseman and Nicky Lopez is out. So no guaranteed 480 foot home runs every at bat. Is that what you're telling me? Cause that's not what I want to hear. I'll leave that to Vahe to, uh, he was there for it. So he saw it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, so listen, we, we, we have spent a lot of time talking about Bobby Witt Jr. Let's, let's hear Bobby Witt Jr. Talking about himself here. Beth, let's roll it. Biggest thing for me is just try to go out there and, have fun through it all really. And, but also try to learn as much as possible, just being around the big league guys, as well as the summer camp last year, just, just knowing how they do things, how they go about the business, because this is my ultimate goal to be a big leaguer and they're already there. So I just try to watch them, ask them questions and do that. And I've been pretty much doing that throughout the whole camp. And I felt a lot more comfortable with just all the positions that I'm playing now and just at the play and just being around the coaches and then just them teaching me and helping me. And I just really felt like 
pretty much back playing the game that I've always played and I had nothing, nothing really sped up too much really. And now I just feel, I feel really comfortable and I feel like this is where I'm kind of supposed to be right now. I'm just trying to just get better each and every day. So whatever the people out there think that I should be doing, I'm just going to try to keep doing me and just trust in my plan and trust in all the coaches and all the players that, that I'm playing with and just try to be like the best teammate, best player that I can possibly be each day. And so I'm not really just trying to, I'm not, I'm, I'm setting goals obviously for myself and for where I want to be and everything. Cause I think everyone needs to have their goals to where they want to get to, but I'm just going out there and trying to play each day and just go out there and be me. Have you hit the, the milestones that you set for yourself? Like, are you happy with where you're at? Oh yeah, definitely. But there's always, there's always, got to keep working each and every day and I just got to keep doing my job and just try to get better each and every day and just go out there and and like I kind of been saying just play my game and have fun have teammates I'm Karen Kornacki from channel nine sorry for the creepy dark video we do pay our, our okay uh sorry to cut you off Karen uh <laughs> <laughs> but Bobby Witt sounds the part and, and looks the part with the eye black, doesn't he? Uh, that's <laughs> um, he uh, uh, look. He, he said, "Yeah, old school." He said what he's going to say later on. I, he said something about uh, you know he wants to present the Royals with a you know a pleasant dilemma, and that refers to what you know we're talking about with you know play his butt off in in, in the Cactus League and force the Royals to make a decision, not just on him, but on others, right? Because it would affect others as well. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the kansascity.com site. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. And that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. All right. There's something else, uh, another player I want to get to that, uh, Lynn, you wrote about recently. And, and we've discussed him before as well. But now that you've gotten some, some eyeballs on um, Hanson Alberto, he's, in, he's intriguing to me. And, uh, and, and this is a guy who uh, really under the radar signing for the Royals that uh, I, I think has a chance to be a kind of a, you know, special contributor in in a way that Whit Merrifield has been for the Royals over the years. Not as you know, may, we may not see five hundred to you know six hundred at bats for Alberto, but he is definitely a player who uh, you know put up some good numbers and 
I, I think it can possibly bring a lot to this Royals team. Certainly adds to the depth of, of, of the Royals, does he not? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking in Hanser Arboto, Arboto. You're talking about a guy who, you know, was a starter, an everyday player in Baltimore, um, and who, you know, who hit about 300, who really hit uh, lefties, you know, in the last couple of years, it was close to, I want to say it's like 394 is what he hit against lefties in the last two years. Guy who puts the ball in play, doesn't strike out a lot. Um, I think when I went back and looked the um, since, uh, I want to say it was 2018, 2019, or 2019, 2020, I forget which one, but, um, you know, his um, fan graphs war rating was, you know, top 15 among second basemen. He's all right up there with the guy like Jerickson Profar, who who got real money this offseason from the Padres. Um, but, you know, and he's not – the difference is obviously he's not a home run hitter. He's a contact guy. He's the type of guy that, the you know, the Royals sort of like, you know, one of these guys who's um, not just a, you know, launch angle type guy, but, a, you know, um, put the ball in play type guy. But he can play multiple positions. And I think um, as much as we sort of don't want to bring it up or maybe, you know, you don't you, – you hope it doesn't happen, but – you look at the track record, a guy like Mondesi and all the injuries every year that there's been a full season, there's been an injury. And that means you're going to move some people around on the infield or somebody's going to plug in. Um, and if you're taking Bobby Wood out of the equation, folks, for a minute, that's, you know, deep, deep breath. Um, and you're working with the the other guys that you have. That means, you know, what that means, Nicky Lopez is going to be playing, you know, shortstop in that case. Then you have an everyday second baseman that you're plugging in. If something happens and, you know, you're moving, you know, Hunter Dozier off third base again and he's playing somewhere else or he needs break at third or he's playing more first, Hanser Alberto has started games at third base and has hit well. So he's a guy who, um, if he's if he's depth off the bench, he plays, he can factor in in a lot of ways. And if something happens, he plugs in and you, you feel like you still have a lineup that isn't taking a big – um, hit in multiple ways. Let's hear from uh, Hanser Alberto. We haven't really talked to you since uh, you joined the Royals, so I was wondering what um, what was this offseason like for you? Were you surprised by how things turned out with Baltimore? And then um, was the Royals, uh, what ended up making that a good fit for you? Uh, yes. Uh, this offseason was uh, slow and weird. And I'm not going to lie, you know, it surprised me a little bit because the last two years, you know, I've been playing really good and I didn't find a, like an MLB deal. You know, I got a lot of teams calling and offering me minorly and a lot of stuff like that. But, you know, here in this organization, I think it's a good fit for me here. You know, a lot of young talents. Uh, we got veterans, but they still young. And, uh, you know, I think it will be a good fit for me. And, just bring my, my energy here, you know, energy, uh, do what I, you know, what I know to do and see what happens. But I feel pretty comfortable here right now. How, um, how would you describe sort of your approach at the plate? I mean, I think um, the last couple of years, um, you know, you've been one of the tops as far as hitting against left-handers, but also making contact, not striking out. What's, uh, what is sort of your approach generally? I think all the work that I that I put in the past, you know, the thing that I learned when I was in Texas with all the veteran guys, and you know, because I never get to play, so I was watching them how to work, how to do stuff, how to handle stuff, and 
you know, I just have all that information in mind, and now, you know, I put it together. So when you get the opportunity to play, and it don't matter when you go up for three or four, four and you know you're going to be in the line the next day. So that kind of gets you relaxed, more comfortable. And I think that that's what I bring to the plate. You know, I feel pretty comfortable, see the ball really good. And, you know, I think I make a lot of adjustments. And that's why I've been so successful and lefty and, you know, putting the ball in play. So, yeah, Lynn, you're right. Uh, of course you're right because you, you wrote this. Um, it's 781 plate appearances the last two years, not only the 394 average against lefties, but 80 Ks, just 80 Ks, and seems to fit in with the theme of the Royals in the offseason of, uh, you know, getting acquiring guys who, um, you know, may, may be a little bit better on base percentage, a little bit more offensive-minded guys. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing – Andrew Alberto play. I, I just think he's a terrific a- acquisition for for the Royals. Um, so, Vahe, I wanted to ask you. You just spent several days at uh, at Surprise, and one of the you know you spent some time with uh, Gerard Dyson, who um, absolutely a fan favorite in his time here, and uh, left to um, you know I think four with four other teams since leaving the Royals. They brought him back. Lynn and I talked a little bit about Dyson last week. You've got some, you know, you got some FaceTime with him. And just what were your impressions of Gerard and how, how he how he felt about being back in the Royals uniform? Well, actually, to truth in advertising, just to clarify, my my FaceTime with him was from 30,000 feet on a Zoom call uh, while, while, while flying in. Um, but luckily, uh, I got connected and Lynn sent me uh, the, the two minutes I missed trying to connect. So I was good. Um, and the Royals were good enough to answer questions that I typed in um, <laughs> to the chat. So this is journalism 2021. Um, but, you know, a lot of what I wanted to write about was, you know, kind of his from a historical standpoint, the sense of knowing what part of the Royals DNA and the part of the Royals history he, he has been and how that might fit into this. Um you know, it's not just a kind of novelty act that the, the Royals are trying to get some of the band back together here, right? It, it's it's toward a purpose, and I think they're trying to fuse together not just young and old, but but people who sort of um, understand the Royals' way, what it took to get there last time. Um, and he's always been kind of an energizer, uh, sometimes with with his play, sometimes with with what he has to say. And uh, I I think when you think about all the elements of recent Royals history that he's been attached to everything from, you know, the way they won in the minors to having been a 50th round draft pick to struggling a little bit when they, they first came up that whole wave of players to losing the game seven in 2014 to what that meant in 2015. And even being, you know, at Giordano Ventura's funeral. I mean, he's really part of the last, you know, most of the last 15 years of the Royals are at least the most memorable parts of the last 15 um, in terms of what they've achieved under Dayton Moore. So I think, uh, I know Lynn drilled into this a little bit. I think that he's got more to give. I think he's a fit for what they might need as a, a, a spot spot starter and, and a, a fourth outfielder, maybe fifth outfielder, I guess. I, I'm not exactly sure how that will look, but I, I, I think he'll have a, a meaningful, maybe subtle in some ways, but meaningful place here. 
Yeah, you mentioned him going to Yordano's funeral. This was after the Roy- you know, he he was um, gone from the Royals. Isn't that right? He would, he, yeah. he attended the the funeral not as a member of the Royals. Yeah. So about two weeks later, it was only a couple weeks later. Um, but uh, uh, he he, it, it, I, I mentioned that just because it, it I think demonstrated what a part of it he still remained even after even after leaving the franchise. Okay, hey, uh, let's uh, switch gears again. And I wanted to ask Lynn about a story, a really interesting story that was posted today on KansasCity.com. And that has to do with technology. And uh, a couple of Royals players are happy to see um, uh, technology returning to the clubhouse. Um, Lynn, take us through this story and, and, and why are a couple of Royals hitters pretty gleeful about uh, about this development. Yeah, so last season in 2020, the shortened season, um, players didn't have access to video of the game that was going on um, during the game. So like if you hadn't at bat um, previously, you hadn't at bat against, you know, whoever, Shane, uh, Shane Bieber, um, and you go up there and you walk away shaking your head like, what the heck did he just hit me with? And you would go in and look at some video and get a better idea. Where was this pitch? What, you know, um, are you doing something wrong with your swing? Was the, the, the pitch they called outside, they called a strike actually outside or was it on the corner? You can look at these things in between at-bats using video. Last year, that practice stopped and partially uh, – that was because of the whole sign stealing thing that they had to go on with the Astros. They were using that sort of in-game video to um, to decipher signs, relay them, and you know the the whole scandal that um, sort of was the talk of baseball before the pandemic last year. Um, funny enough, as I sort of led with the story, was um, Whit was Whit Merrifield was very outspoken about his um, disdain for the Astros and the sign stealing scandal. And I said, well, that's just one more reason for him to, you know, have, hold a grudge against them because he was one of the guys who really valued looking at video during a game. So it's just one more thing. Not only did they, you know, steal the signs, which he called worse than steroids. Um, now they, they kept everybody from being able to watch video, which he thought was a big deal. And he, he talked about how big it was to be able to make adjustments for both hitter and pitcher um, in between innings and, and them taking that away. And, and you know, and um, and another guy who, who said that that was huge was uh, Jorge Soler, who hit 48 home runs, who set a franchise record, who was, you know, um, the American League home run champion in 2019. He's another guy who said it was huge to be able to go in, and especially when, you know, he DH'd most of his games in that 2019 season. Um, he's not out in the field, so he can look at these things and really get a sense of what's going on with his swing, what's going on with his bats. And, you know, you put everything as a DH into those four, three or four bats a game. You know, you want to be able to really break it down. So the fact that they will be able to do that again this year is, um, at least for those guys, is a big thing. Um, the one thing that uh, Mike Matheny sort of um, didn't see it quite as, you know, um, black and white, because he also mentioned just the idea that um, guys, he likes the idea of guys having those conversations in the in the dugout. This is what the guy looks like. This is, you know, um, how the, uh, uh, the pitcher's throwing. Just having that that dialogue between hitters and, and getting that sort of team scout report together. Uh, he hopes that that doesn't go away, but um, you know, at the same time, he's like, these guys have had success. So there's no, there's no arguing with the, the fact that this has worked for them. 
Absolutely. And we will link to that story in the podcast version of this show. Okay, guys, there were, I had a lot more topics I wanted to get to, uh, but I really, really enjoyed our conversation today. And we will uh, we'll add them to the list of topics for, for next week. So uh, I will say goodbye to Lynn Worthy and Vahe Gregorian and thank Beth Welsh for producing today's show. And we'll be back next week on Sportsbeat Live, Talking Royals. Okay, that's going to do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy and Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you for a limited time. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for $0.99 cents a month. That's the Stars Sports section online. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And what a time to subscribe. The Royals are at spring training as Bobby Witt is going nuts there. March Madness is here as we're covering the Big 12 and SEC tournaments this week. And as we learned today with the news of Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, it is never not Chiefs season. So how do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star, Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the e-edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and we will get you to the right place. So whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode.